Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Oh, Lucy, is it? Yes. Lucy Letby, a nurse in the UK, will spend the rest of her life in prison for murdering seven babies and trying to kill six others. We talk with the attorney who represents two of the families in this unimaginable tragedy. Welcome to Law and Crime Sidebar Podcast. I'm Anjanette Levy. Lucy Letby's job was to care for babies who were born prematurely in a hospital in the UK. Babies, of course, are defenseless. They can do nothing for themselves, and they certainly cannot protect themselves. The judge presiding over Letby's case said she did something that bordered on sadism. A jury found Letby guilty of killing seven premature babies and trying to kill six others by injecting the sick baby's IV lines with air, poisoning some with insulin, and force-feeding others with milk. This happened, according to testimony, over the course of a year from June 2015 to June of 2016. Letby spoke to police back in 2018. They told me that there had been a lot more deaths and that I've been linked to somebody that was there for a lot of them. Did you have any concerns that there was a rise in the mortality rate? Yes. Okay, so tell me about that. What concerns did you have? I think we'd all just notice as a, as a team in general, the nursing staff, that this was a rise compared to previous years. The jury deliberated for 22 days before reaching a verdict. Here's Cheshire Police Detective Chief Inspector Nicola Evans following the verdict. This has been a long and emotional journey for all of the families involved in this case. I speak on behalf of the entire prosecution team when I say that all of their babies will forever be in our hearts. I would like to thank all of the families in this case for their exceptional resilience and strength throughout this entire investigation. Cheshire police collected writings from Letby. One said, hate, and I am evil, I did this. After killing the babies, testimony revealed Letby sometimes cried and even made keepsakes for the parents and dress the babies for their funerals. The impact of this on the parents of the babies is almost indescribable. Sentencing remarks to the court said Letby specifically targeted twins and triplets and that her actions were premeditated and that she harmed the babies when other staff were on breaks. Then the statement says she would often stalk the families afterward on Facebook, searching their profiles. Letby refused to attend her sentencing for the crimes, and under UK law, there was really nothing the judge could do about it. He 
he could not force her to attend or send a feed of the hearing into her cell. The judge who presided over Lucy Letby's case, Mr. Justice Goss, had some harsh words for her. Take a listen. There was a deep malevolence bordering on sadism in your actions. During the course of this trial, you have coldly denied any responsibility for your wrongdoing and sought to attribute some fault to others. You have no remorse. There are no mitigating factors. Joining me to discuss this horrific, and I, I can't emphasize that enough, horrific case is Richard Scorer. He represents two families who had three children who were murdered by this nurse. Richard, welcome to Sidebar. Thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. First of all, how are the families doing, The fa your, your clients? Well, this is obviously a, an utterly appalling and harrowing case, and I don't think parents who've lost, lost children ever recover from that. And some of the, the, the detail of the, the impact um, on their lives was, was set out in the victim impact statements that were read in court. And I don't think I can really improve on those. Th those, those did describe very powerfully the, the utter devastation uh, caused by these murders and the, the, the appalling crimes of, of Lucy Letby. And I, I think those statements, in a sense, say, say everything that can be said about the impact on the families or everything that they would want to say publicly and, and obviously said in the, in, the, in the sentencing hearing. But I think also it's important to understand that, that there remain many un, unanswered questions about this. We, we obviously know now through the criminal case that Letby was guilty of these crimes. That's been proved beyond reasonable doubt. But there are a whole series of further questions, particularly around the actions of hospital management and particularly the sense that hospital management was driven by reputational protection of the hospital rather than by patient safety. And I think those are the, those are the, the, the questions that I think, uh, you know, my clients and many others are now obviously focused on trying to get answers to. And how are you doing that? I, I've read some stories about how your clients were kind of waved off uh, when they raised concerns. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, after the, the 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 death of their child, one of the families we represent um, had some correspondence from Ian Harvey, who was the medical director of the hospital at that time. And um, the correspondence indicated, although to be honest, it was fairly vague, but it indicated that various investigations were being taken were, 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 were being conducted. And it actually invited the family to to make contact with Mr. Harvey, invited them to phone in and and make contact and get more details. They tried to do that. They actually they told us that they tried to do that many many times. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill patio sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch 
Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. But they were unable to get any response out of him. He, he never returned any of their calls and it never, never arranged a meeting, although the, the letters made reference to the, his, his, his wish to have a meeting. But that, none of that ever materialised. It's important to understand that, you know, the, the families we represent are very, very ordinary people, just normal families. They're not used to negotiating their way through an NHS bureaucracy, uh, a health service bureaucracy, and medical terminology, particularly, you know, in, in circumstances where they've lost children in very traumatic circumstances. So, you know, the, the, the hospital has a responsibility in this situation to to reach out and, 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 and try to help them through this process. And that, um, unfortunately, I'm afraid, is not what happened. And the sense we get is very much that that um, Harvey was was not interested in trying to be candid with them about what was going on, didn't respond to their their calls, and you know they were left very much in the dark about the the reality of what had occurred. Now that was, as we understand it, this was before the the police investigation got underway, and I think Mr. Harvey, in in his response to the the the, the newspaper article overnight, has tried to suggest that he was limited in what he could say because of the police investigation, but. This correspondence that they received from him came before the police investigation, as we understand it. And so, and 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 as I say, he he was actually, you know, inviting them to to, to get in contact and, and to get more information. And so, um, you know, their sense is very much that they were fobbed off. Um, uh, that that that's how they felt about it. Uh, they 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 very much felt that he wasn't interested in engaging with them about what had occurred, and that's consistent with. You know, w- with what others have said about his his attitude here, mm. um, and so, you know, we have a situation where families have been through this desperately traumatic loss of a child, and were wanting to get some answers. Uh, you know, how how did this happen? What what were the what were the circumstances? And um, you know, what went wrong? And none of that was was really forthcoming in reality. And then, of course, the police investigation took over. And that has lasted a number of years and has resulted in the criminal trial. But we still have this issue around the conduct of hospital managers. Mr. Harvey's one of them and, and, a, and a key figure in this, but there are obviously others as well. And that's why we need the public inquiry, the, the public investigation into um, the surrounding circumstances. Have you filed any type of civil action? Um, do, do the families have some recourse that way to get answers as well? Well, um, that that's um, a part of it that's being dealt with by by one of my colleagues here. But I, I think there's just to just to sort of give some context to that, because um, obviously I'm, I'm you know you're, you're you're an American program. The and, and it may may or may not be similar in America, but the reality of most civil suits, particularly in circumstances like this, where it's obvious that the the, the hospital are going to be found liable, the reality of most civil suits here is that they you know they will end up being settled. Now I, I can't sort of say more about where that that aspect of it has got to, but I would be surprised in the circumstances that we now know about that that ultimately that, that, that there won't be settlements of civil suits. I'm sure that there, that there will be. I think that's likely at the very least. But of course, when a civil suit is settled, in a sense, you don't get a day in court. You don't get a proper investigation into the surrounding circumstances and 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 the the way in which you know management conducted themselves and the failures of management and so on. All of that kind of gets gets ignored 
in a in a civil suit which results in a settlement you know there isn't a there isn't a trial i know that in america things are a bit different because sometimes you have kind of pre-trial depositions and other other legal processes yeah. where information can come out ahead of the trial but uh, in our system if the civil suit is settled then or, or an admission of liability is made then that wouldn't be a route through which a family can get answers about what has occurred here, what has really occurred here and the failings of hospital management. That has to come through a public inquiry ordered by the government. Richard, when you have a child, it's one of the happiest moments of your life. Your clients gave birth to children and their children were murdered by somebody who was supposed to be caring for them. I can't imagine what that is like going through something like that and then coming to the realization that this person did what she did. You know, the, the judge, I think, called her sadistic, Lucy Letby. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen anything like this in your practice? A, a nurse, somebody charged with caring for children, not even children, infants, murdering them. I've been reflecting on that actually over, you know, over the, 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 course of recent events. And I've done many, many distressing and harrowing cases over the course of my legal work, particularly around things like child abuse, and sometimes child murder. And this is undoubtedly one of the most horrifying cases I've ever come across. And I think, you know, when the judge talked about sadism, that's absolutely right. She was murdering children and then purporting to express sympathy to their parents, you know, sort of stalking parents on, on Facebook, trying to find out more about them, even after she had committed the, the murders, almost reveling seemingly in their grief. So, uh, I mean, it is, it is especially horrifying. And, and as you say, in circumstances where your, your child is born, born into a hospital among, in a setting where you would expect that a child is going to be safe, obviously, first and foremost, safe and protected and looked after by by specialist nurses who are you know seem to be very skilled and in in the vast majority of cases are very skilled and very committed to their job and we should you know when we talk about nurses we mustn't make the mistake of uh, of you know branding the profession um negatively because most of them are fantastic in what they do but letby was obviously something else altogether and it's just utterly horrifying there is no you know there there is there is no other other you know, words fail you when you when you try to kind of conceive of how appalling it is. And so I think from my perspective as a lawyer, and obviously my perspective is different from from that of the parents because I didn't have to live through it. But from my perspective as a lawyer, it, it's really important. I think the parents share this 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 view that we, we need to try to to do whatever we can to ensure that nothing like this can ever happen in the hospital system again. Mm -hmm. It's obviously always difficult to to rule out or or, or, or eliminate the possibility of <coughs> things like this happening. But what you want is a system where <coughs> any concern that's expressed um, about something of this seriousness is investigated fully and properly and promptly. And we clearly don't have that that in the in the National Health Service in, in in Britain at the moment. There are lots of good things about the National Health Service, but we we clearly fail when it comes to um, the investigation of concerns that are expressed both by by patients and and clinicians by by doctors within the system. And in this case, uh, you know, we had clinicians expressing 
serious concerns you know that it was it was medical <clears throat> professionals who raised the alarm about this and then managers who seemingly <clears throat> wanted to brush it under the carpet i mean it's as it's as uh, as shocking as that and hospital managers <clears throat> should be concerned first and foremost with patient safety not with um protecting the reputation of, of their particular hospital but um in this case it seems that reputational protection you know was at the forefront of their mind and in in one of the uh, one of the emails that was actually what the hospital manager said you know so so it kind of gave the game away um but um we need to make sure that that can never happen or or, or we can, or, or that we do everything we can to reduce the possibility of it happening in the national health service in the future has Lucy Letby ever made any type of overture to your clients or any of the other families, any any type of apology? I mean, what has anything like that occurred? No, not, not at all. And you may be aware that um, when we had the sentencing hearing um, earlier this week, she she refused to come into the courtroom to be sentenced by the judge. So that meant that she didn't hear the the victim impact statements um, you know, on behalf of the families describing um, the, the trauma that they had been through. And um, she she didn't actually directly hear the sentence from the judge, although she would have been informed about that mm -hmm. um, in her prison cell. And that um, that refusal to appear was enormously insulting, actually. And I mean, I, I've, I've over many years represented many victims of serious crime. And um, it's really important for the, for, for justice and accountability that the defendant is present at, to, to, to hear the court hand down the sentence. I mean, you know, some people have, have sort of expressed skepticism about the importance of this. It's actually really important for victims to, to have that um, part of the process. And it's very, very insulting when the defendant refuses to turn up. And we've had a bit of a debate in this country this week about how we need to change the law so that, that so that judges have the fact the power to force either force the defendant to come into the courtroom to hear the verdict or have the power to to require that the that the sentencing remarks are broadcast into the defendant's cell or alternatively that other penalties could be applied to a defendant who doesn't attend the sentencing hearing so for example you know you might have a, 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 an additional period added onto the sentence or you might lose prison privileges or, or some kind of penalty of that kind and I think there's a lot of public support for that some of my colleagues in the legal profession have expressed skepticism about it but I personally think it's an important change and one that we need to see it's shocking to me that she could actually say I'm not going to my sentencing uh, as you know as just a due process type of thing I, I would think that the judge would be able to force her to but I, I, obviously the laws over there are different yeah and I, I don't know what the position is in america but um i mean certainly here the judge was very clear that he didn't have the power to force her into into the courtroom and he obviously you know was very frustrated that that he he was you know having to address an empty dock um, but that was the reality of it. And I, I do think that's something that really needs to change. It's a, as I say, it's a really important part of, of justice and accountability for victims that, that, um, that when those victim impact statements are read out, that the defendant is there to hear them. And then the defendant is there to hear the sentence and the, and the judge's reasons for it. So the public inquiry will happen. Uh, where else do you all go from here? I mean, these families will will never heal from this. They This is going to leave them scarred. Um, for the rest of their lives, but at least they, they will have their other children that they can 
love and and enjoy. And and, and I I think that you know as, as far as that's concerned, I, I think that you know people um, rarely, if ever, get over the loss of a child, and and I I can't you know I mean I I think that. The, the families will, will will deal with that in, in in the ways that they can, and it will be, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, very very difficult at times. Um, I think that one one of the things that that, that is important, and I, I mean, I, as a lawyer, I kind of come back to the legal the legal aspects of all of this is that if we do have this public inquiry, we're going, when we're going to have an, an inquiry. The question is just what form it takes. But if we do have an inquiry, and that that inquiry will make recommendations. We absolutely need to ensure that those recommendations are actually implemented. And we've been we've been around this track before. We've had a, a, a lots of public inquiries in Britain over the years. Um, I've been involved in some of them. And in the medical sphere, where there've been failings in the National Health Service, often the the inquiries that have, have happened have made recommendations, and then those recommendations have been left on the shelf and never implemented, which is really really just desperately poor i mean in, inquiries can be quite an expensive undertaking and you you have the state spending money on on inquiries the inquiry makes a set of recommendations and then those recommendations are just ignored and we've had that actually time and time again in the nhs and and and, and within the within the health service and previous scandals in the health service we've had recommendations about um whistleblowers and what needs to happen to support them we've had recommendations about um, issues to do with hospital management, although I think we need to go further this time. But you know, recommendations have been made in the past and not uh, not honoured, and that is something that really needs to change. I, I get quite frustrated as as a lawyer who's worked over the years in, in quite a number of inquiries that mm-hmm. you know we, we go through a process, we 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 get all the examination of the evidence, we get recommendations, and then they're just they're just left kind of un unimplemented, and it's a really really poor system. Well, Richard Score, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll come back sometime. Thank you. Pleasure. That's it for this edition of Law & Crime Sidebar Podcast. You can listen to and download Sidebar on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And, of course, you can always watch it on Law & Crime's YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. I'm Anjanette Levy, and we will see you next time. Bye.